Oh, good morning, by the way. How's it going, everybody? Pastor Kurt Gentry, if I've not met you before, uh, uh, I'm the lead pastor here and excited that we get a chance on this second Sunday of 2020 to uh, meet together. And uh, yeah, I don't know why for sure I like songs like scripture, like thoughts around battle. Uh, I, I, I don't know, except to say is uh, it's reality. I believe as Christians, we know that we are in a battle. And even if you're not a Christian, you're in it, you just haven't realized it yet. And God is asking us to prepare for battle. But he does that, and part of that is the series we're going to be working on this month is around community. And Jeff, Pastor Jeff's already talked about the fact of we're meeting in first hour around community groups, and I just want to encourage you to be here. Uh, I, I walked in the other day. I'm not setting in one, but just kind of observing and uh, just excited to see the laughter, and, and I hope that people are getting to know each other. First hour, 9.15 to 10.15, just to connect with your age. This, today, it was in age groups. Next week, it'll be more iGen, uh, but, uh, which is intergenerational groups. We believe in that here at Renovation. And so I just want to encourage you, if you would, to be a part of that. Uh, I think you will really appreciate it. You know, I grew up in a small town, as most of you, many of you will know, in Arkansas. And a town of 400 people, uh, it's small. But it didn't seem small. You know, it really didn't. I mean, I, 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 would not tra- I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. I mean, it was, you grow up in a town that size, you don't know any different for one thing. It's what you have. But there was a community around that. There was something about that small town that you can't get in larger, especially much larger settings. I mean, when I played basketball and played a lot of basketball and that Saturday morning when you would go by the, the country store right there in our little town, all the old men be out there smoking their pipes and their cigars, critiquing you as you walked into the, into the grocery store. They'd tell you what, most of them have never played basketball in their life, but they could tell you what you should have been doing and what you shouldn't have been doing. Now, there are some downsides to that smaller community, obviously. Everybody's in everybody's business. But there was this connection and it was very defined because there was Wicks and then there was Cove and there was Hatfield and there was Hatton and there was Granis. We weren't Hatfield people and we weren't Cove people. We were Wicks people. And there was something about that. Community is critical. The Bible begins, and Dr. Dan will teach on it a little bit next week, even before the Bible begins, there was Community. The Bible starts in community. Scripture ends in community. It's about community. And what's so awesome after Pentecost was, was this unbelievable community that exploded. You've heard me say this many times here, but I just want to repeat it. The Christian church was the first institution in history to bring together on equal footing Jews and Gentiles, men and women, slaves and free, forming a community out of of, of diverse members. And when you do that and you lean into it, you have an opportunity, or we do as a church. Yes, look peculiar, and I'll preach on that in a few weeks. Unusual. 
in this world where we're trying to separate. We're trying to divide. I'm convinced that we can do all the ministries and programs and everything else and do great music and we do do great music and I think we try to preach the word and teach the word and try to do the best we can with that but at the end of the day what's going to really draw people in and people are going to notice is the ethos of the community. That overcomes so many other things. There's a term in scripture that's used often is talking about walk together. And in Scripture, yes, there's times it means that you're literally doing what we'd think about. Well, we're walking together. Yes, it means that movement of your legs going in a certain direction. It does mean that. But in the Old and New Testament, walk is a consistent metaphor. It speaks to how we're supposed to live our lives. How we behave, how we conduct ourselves, and how we use the time and opportunities God has given us. Walk in the Hebraic language means way of life. John 1.17 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, and that's Jesus, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son purifies us from all sin. So to walk with someone means to live life with someone. It really, that's the reason why sometimes I think when we talk about church, it's it's difficult at times when we talk about it when we're really not walking life together. Because church is about community. And I know the phrase in our culture over the last 20 years is, well, that's a community church. Well, every church should be that. That church, that name was kind of moved over to something, but the reality, though, is uh, it means non-denominational many times is actually what they're trying to say, but, but that means anything that's denominationally is not community, <laughs> if, if you follow that out. But every church should have that, but the question is, are we walking together? I don't know about you, but I am a fast walker. There we go. Got an amen to my daughter on the front row here. You go hiking with me, it's going to be fast. It's going to be at a pace, and it's not, I'm not planning on stopping. I'm not planning on, and that's, that's sometimes a blind spot, and I need to get, Jan will tell you, I, I, she'll look up, and what, then what happens is, is that at times I'll be looking up, and Jan will be, my wife, if you don't know, she'll be like, three or four feet behind me. And I'm not sure she's doing it intentionally. I don't know that. But then I'll do this smart alecky thing because like I told you before, being a baby brother of uh, five older siblings, I like to aggravate people, okay? But then what I'll start doing is doing this, just doing little baby steps. That upsets her. My point is this, you look up sometimes and man, you're walking so fast, you're not bringing people with you. I'd rather walk slower and bring people with me. My dad was a fast walker. That's how I learned. I wanted to hang out with my dad. And if you wanted to hang out with my dad, you walk fast. Now, there's stories behind that from his injury in the war that he gets stiff. He'd get too stiff if he was too, you know, too slow or too, too. So he just walked fast. And you, I taught how to learn how to walk fast and spit. 
That's what I did, because he spit a lot. <laughs> I don't know why. I'd look up and I've been asking a little kid, why do you spit so much? Because he does. <laughs> I want to be like my dad. John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, if you feel the weight of that, Jesus is saying that the credibility of his life and him dying on the cross is all wrapped up in how we love one another. The world may know that I have come. Now feel that weight. Francis Schaeffer says, our relationship with each other is the criterion the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. Christian community is the final apologetic. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, 2, you yourselves are our letter written on your hearts, known and read by everybody. See, in Paul's day, there really were no church buildings. <laughs> you didn't identify yourself by a nice sign out front and your logo and how you branded yourself. That's not how you were known or how good your music or your lighting or anything along that line. You were only known by your reputation and how you live life, how you walked to death. That's the only way. Letters written on your heart that the world will see you. But living in community has its challenges, no doubt. And I want to clarify here today, or, or at least preface it this way. When I talk about community, I'm not just talking about community in the church. What I want to share with you, a couple of things I want to share with you today. I want you to hear something more than that because... I'm going to guess most of you either come from a family, some of you are married, some of you are raising children. When I talk about community, it's greater than just the church. Community at large, but especially, obviously, this is going to be referring to the church, but I hope you can take some things out of this today that will be of help. Why, why is community so rare? Uh, there's a lot of reasons, and I won't go into all that. Maybe it's just the opposite of some of my point, a couple of points today. But I think one of the reasons why community is so rare inside the church, but even in marriages and different places, we would much rather be impressively, falsely intact than broken like we know we are. We would much rather, rather be impressively intact, falsely. But I believe spiritual community begins when people come to the table knowing they're broken. The 
Brokenness is the, deeper, is, the, is the pathway to a deeper walk with God. And if it's the, it's the pathway to a deeper walk with God, then it almost has to be by, by, by but the byproduct, the deeper, uh, the deeper way to walk with others. It's to know that we're coming to the table, that we don't have this false whatever it is that says we have it all together. This is what I believe about true community. In true community, we speak from our imperfections. We speak from our flaws. We speak from our brokenness. We speak from our wounds. We speak from our battles. One of the things I think it helps us when we speak from our battles and speak from our wounds is that people are able to go, oh, I, that's me too. That's, I get, I'm. When we've got it all together, they go, well, I don't fit here. You mean you don't have any battles? I think even in the church, especially in the church of the Nazarene, we preached a perfection at one time that was dangerous in the sense that we were not flawed anymore. And if I'm no longer flawed, it's like painting myself in the corner and the paint won't dry. I can't come out. I can't admit anything. Because life's not perfect. And I'm not perfect. And if I can't come out of that corner and admit to you that I am broken at times, and I, there are places that I need to be more broken, and I need to be, we talk about it a lot here. I am, I am transformed, and I am being transformed. There's more to be broken. <laughs> There's more to deal with. Let me hear you. I mean, let me hear you. I want you to hear me on this. Our intention of being broken and sharing that is not to stay there, though. There are other groups you can go to for that. If you just want to walk in every week and and throw up and just stay right there, I'm sure there's other groups you can go do that with. And you don't want to get any better and you feel real comfortable wallowing in there all the time from now on. Well, then there's other groups for that. What we want to say here is, is that there's hope. We want to live hope. We want you to know that, yeah, we have had open wounds, but now we have scars, and scars tell me I got over it. Oh, the scars remind me, but it's no longer open wound. There's no longer this thing that every time a little, uh, like if you ever had a cut on your finger and just a little tiny piece of salt stings it. Even the tiniest open wound. But we want to say it's been healed. And I don't mean just say it just to say it, but it actually has been healed. The scar on my knee and the scar I talked about last week with my, the fish hook on top of my head, if I ever go bald, or it's there already, but if I go bald, you'll see it more. It tells me you, it's a story attached to it, but I got over it. I was healed. But if it's still an open wound, you'd go, oh, I don't know if I want to be around you, dude, because you don't really want to heal that. Any medical, anybody in here with a medical open wound would want to try to figure out the best way they could to get it healed as soon as they could. Agreed? But why won't we do that emotionally? Why won't we do that spiritually? Why won't we do that just trying to find every route we can to get that healed? But we don't. We don't want to be a church where you can just stay there. We want you to know, just like the song saying, out of the ashes, you arise. We want to be able to tell stories about the battles we have fought and how we have learned to trust God and how we have learned how to fight. 
But it starts with brokenness. And there's other things, like I said. But we want to be a place or a community where broken, messed up people come and find hope and healing and second chances. Where marriages are healed. The lost are found. Where the image of God is being restored as scripture says it can be. The broken are healed and the healed are compelled to chase after Jesus. Community. A couple of things that may be of help to you and I hope in any community, one, and I'm, I'm gonna hear me here, I think both of these have to be intentional. They don't just come, oh, we stumbled into this. No, I think they have to be intentional. In community, the first one is this. Growth is encouraged, expected, and accountability happens. Growth is encouraged, expected, and accountability happens. You know, walking implies a direction, right? It implies a decision to walk in a direction. I go hiking a lot. You know, when I'm out hiking, I see a lot of people on the trail. A lot of people, like I said last week, saw a lot of Clemson and Ohio State people a couple of weeks ago. Glad they went home. (laughs) God bless them. Uh, No, just kidding. But I can't say I was hiking with them. We were on the same trail and we were maybe both hiking, but, and we were all kind of going, some were going up, some were going down, some were stopping along the way, some going, I ain't going that far. Some were on Piesta, especially some people are turning around and going back. The point is, yeah, we were all out there. I can go out to South Mountain, which has however many trails and 200 miles worth of trails, I think, or some crazy number, the largest uh, uh, park in the nation, I think City Park it is. I mean, I can be out there and Kent can be hiking on one trail, uh, you know, on the far end of me, on the other. We're both hiking, but we're not hiking what? Together. I see marriages. They're both married and in the same house even, but they're not doing it together. Even in a church to have true community, We can all even be in the same room, but the reality is in this room, we may not all be going together. Let me ask you a question. Are you hanging out with people who are going the same direction you are and for the same reasons? I hope at renovation and our hope has been from the beginning that people know us well enough that what we are becoming matters, that they look at us and go, hey, I'm gonna keep you on track. I know, I know what your desire is. I know where you're trying to get to. I, I see it. You've talked about it. I see what we're doing together as life. I want to be a part of a community that says, hey, we're going there. But let me ask you this. 
Am I hanging out with people and surrounding myself with people who will grow with capacity? And what I mean by that is this. You may like me, at, even at 25, at 26 when I gave my life to the Lord, or 27 when I gave my life to the Lord, I hope and pray you were not satisfied. You'd look at it and go, that's good for right then, Kurt. But if you're still that at 47, I want to be comfortable with the 27, so I'm just going to hang out here with you. No, I want to be around people who go, Kurt, that is not, not cool anymore. That's great. You got in. You got, you got your feet strong. You knew who Jesus was. You came to know him. But that's not, you can't. I want to, I want to be around people who go, Kurt, that's not acceptable anymore. I mean, not in a condemning way, don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying. That people see the capacity for my life. They know that God has given me a great purpose. And they love me too much to let me stay there. And they're going to grow with me. You've got to be careful who you marry. Some of it's too late. You've already done it. You don't want to marry somebody who says, I like the 26-year-old Kurt, and I hope he stays there from now on. Yeah, I want him to pick up his clothes more, and I want him to do this. But as far as spiritually, I hope he stays there because I don't want to grow where he needs to be at 40. Because at 40, we may have three kids, and God is calling us on this, whatever this is. And man alive, I hope he grows there, and I'm man alive, I hope I grow with him. And it is my intentional commitment to grow with him or to grow with her. Growth is encouraged, it's expected, and there's accountability. 2 Timothy 2 20 through 22. It says, in a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those It doesn't mean you're not ministering to everybody else. Here's the deal, and I want you to hear this this morning before you go anywhere else. You know I got a saying here, don't hear what I'm not saying. I will minister to anyone and will reach out and I think with a right heart, try to love, and, but I choose my influencers very, very carefully. Who I'm hanging out with, that I'm having these conversations with and who is influencing my life, I choose very, very carefully. Minister to anybody. But I'll also say this. I turned 60 years old six weeks ago. At 25 years old, there's probably people I could hang out with and I could probably carry some dead weight. At 60, I'm not near as willing anymore. I got things to do. Time's burning. I can't sit around with people who just go, yeah, I'm just going to hang on, try to suck the life out of you till I'm through with you, then move on to somewhere else. 
Maybe I could do that at 25. Maybe I was strong enough. Maybe I could do those kind of things. But at 60, I don't have that kind of time. I want to hang out with people who say, this is where we're going. I don't have it all figured out. Doesn't mean I'm not going to minister to the others. You, you don't hear what I'm not saying. But those who have influence over me and those are the people I hang out with, we're going there. And one of the things I read out of this is, and I'm going to tell you, somebody in their marriage right there, they may need to hear this. I don't know. But Paul is writing to Timothy. It says to cleanse yourself from the latter. What he's saying, cleanse yourself from these things that are dragging you down that are common things and go to the uncommon. To be made holy. Useful to the master. Man, could that, that, is that not an awesome thought? To be useful to the master. To do any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue Chase after and do it with those who call on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. But some of you are going to have to surrender to get there. You're going to have to surrender your life. Right now, some of you, maybe even in your marriage or in a relationship, you're not willing to surrender is the issue. You want your way, you want your plan that you believe God had for you and somehow or another, God is not led to surrender. You cannot give God half your heart and expect him to make you whole. Some of you too long have been trying to give God two-thirds or whatever and expecting him to make you whole in life. You can't give God half your heart and expect him to make you whole. Surrender is where it starts. And in a community, people begin to surrender to the betterment. They surrender to God. They surrender to the better of the community. That's what happens in marriages. That's what happens when you raise kids. You do that. And some beautiful things come out of that. Oh, sure, there's battles. That's the reason why we have the next one. It's worth it. Which brings perseverance, endurance, and grit. Perseverance. I, like I said last week, I'm the slash king. It's almost like I make one word. <laughs> Perseverance, endurance, grit, slash, slash, slash. I'll keep adding stuff on. You call it what you want. What I'm trying to get at, call it whatever you want. Just get it. Just get it. Just be empowered by the Spirit. First Thessalonians, which many of you who are part of renovation will know, and I may ask one of you to just stand up and quote it. For, I just kidding, I'm not going to do that. Um, but it, uh, it is the passage of Scripture that we use as our launch for our mission here at renovation. And First Thessalonians 5, 1, 3 through 5, says, we remember before our God, and, he's, and Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica, and he goes on down further in it. He talks about them being an example, and he talks about the fact that everywhere we go, we hear about you because of the way you live your life. But here's the formula for them. We remember before our God and Father your work and produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope. In our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, 
I just want to go, brothers and sisters, loved by God that, uh, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words. Let that fall on you a second. Is the gospel right now just simply coming to you as words? Because it did for me a long time to December 13th, 1986. They were just words. For some reason, some of you are here today and you're not even sure why you're in this room. The word says that no one comes to the Christ except the Spirit draw them. Circumstances, all kinds of different reasons why you're here. I, I don't know. But I love this. And this is the formula, if you will, lack of a better way to say it. Because he says, endurance inspired by hope. And he goes on down. But he said, our word came also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. You got to believe it's worth it, baby. You got to believe that marriage is worth it. You got to believe raising your kids and fighting through the battles and towing the line where you need to is worth it. You got to believe it's worth it. Or you won't do it. And you heard me say a few weeks ago, Anybody, everybody has a reason to quit. Stop that. Everybody has a reason to quit. You don't know my story. You don't know what all I deal and what we battle with. You don't know all that. Of course I've got reasons to quit. Everybody does. But there is this power that you've heard me say over and over for the last many months in decisiveness. There is power, obviously has to be in power, the power of the Holy Spirit, but there is this power, I believe, that comes when you make a decision, this is where we're going. And for some of you, you'll never walk in the power of the Holy Spirit till you do that. Because he says, by deep conviction, you got to decide. You're a third in. You're two-thirds in. You're not in. That's the reason why you don't sense it. Why am I out of that? I keep going to church. I keep doing Because you're not in. You're not surrendered. Because I believe what happens is people who are, in, who are in persevering, who are enduring, who are greedy people, they're resourceful people. They're kind of like MacGyver people. They just figure it out. With God's help, they've been through the battles. They've been, they've learned to trust God. They've learned how to fight. They didn't just go through that battle and not try to learn what God was doing. They paid attention. They may have another battle. It's got a different set of circumstances, but they know now they can trust God because they've walked through that battle. Some of you quit too soon. I don't know if we have the Seth Golden quote. Do we have that up there? But you've heard me read this before. Yeah, here it is. It's pretty easy to let ourselves or someone else off the hook. Hey, you did your best. Or the way we're able to somehow summon more energy and more insight when there's a lot on the line. Or the tremendous amount of care and love we can bring to a fellow human who needs it by defining our best is the thing we did when we merely put a lot of effort into a task. I fear we're letting ourselves off the hook. In fact, it might not require a lot of effort, but a ridiculous amount of effort, an unreasonable amount of preparation, a silly amount of focus, and even then, 
there might be a little bit left to give. You gotta fight for community. Individually, in your home, wherever that may be, but you have to fight for it in the church. I don't mean fight in the church. (laughs) I'm talking about fight for. Some of you have allowed a temporary circumstance to change you permanently. This may be a test for you. You've allowed it to change and you sought darkness when you should have sought light. And God very well may be putting you through the fire. And let me tell you this, if you're waiting to move till the fire goes away, you'll never move. You may be in the fire. If you're waiting till the time to coast in your faith of where you'll finally do something for God, you may not ever get that chance because you may not ever be able to coast. I think Manus would say the reward for winning a great battle is a greater battle. Because now you're ready. I was reminded as I was uh, leaving my 50s a few weeks ago, and I said this, that I was glad to see the 50s in my rearview mirror. Some of you know I said that. But I'm realizing more and more as I reflect back on it. There'll never be a decade where there's not heartache and inconveniences and emotional. There'll never be a year. Oh, I don't know. Now, 2019 wasn't a very good year. Why? You don't know what God was up to. You really don't. How do you know whether it was a good year or not? Well, 2020 was a good year because I didn't really have any emotional things. I didn't have any circumstances. I didn't, I didn't have any inconveniences and I made money. I must have been a great year. How do you know? Maybe the year where you didn't see it was the greatest year of growth in your life. Just maybe, just maybe. But you gotta have grit. You gotta have endurance. Some of you may be like me. You should have never made it to 2020. You should have never made it here. There were so many different ways you'd be taken out. But you made it, baby. And there's a purpose for that. It is time for you to step in, if you haven't already, to this great drama that's going on around you. This awesome thing that God has that you, and I said this before, the day that I gave my life to Christ, I honestly did not know that there was another world going on around me. It sounds crazy, and I know it sounds, if you're sitting in here, I get that. I, I get it. But I was blind, the word says. I was blind. I no longer want to be blind to what God's doing around me. And I may have to fight for it. As a matter of fact, I may have to fight a lot for it. You're looking for ease? This is not the deal. It's just not the deal. If you're looking for purpose and fulfillment, 
I can talk to you about that. But you're going to have to fight. Robin Meyer says this. In every waking hour, a sacred theater is in session. Played out before our, an audience that is largely blind. I don't want to be blind. Let me read that again. In every waking hour, a sacred theater is in session. Played out before an audience that is largely blind. I don't want to be blind. There's a divine drama that's going on around you. And we're so focused on ourselves, so focused on what we want and not willing to surrender. We don't want to be accountable. We don't want to grow. We don't want expectations of us. We don't want to go, it's worth it and I am in and you can count on me. The community can't happen. It simply can't happen. You can call it that, but it ain't happening. I love what Richard Foster says. Now, when I speak of Christian community, I am referring not just to the work of the churches and certainly not churches as they are often manifest themselves. I'm speaking of an alternative way of living that shows for social life as it's meant to be lived. Communities of love and acceptance, fellowships of freedom and liberation, centers of hope and wisdom, societies of nurture and accountability, little pockets of life and light so stunning that a watchful world, watchful world will declare, see how they love one another all of it rests on that I hope you decide to be a part of first hour next week we need you but you need it we all need it but one reason I say I, we need you I want to be clear the scripture talks about the body the only way the body can fully function is all the parts are involved that doesn't mean if you don't show up for first hour, you're not involved. Don't misunderstand that. But what I'm saying is we need to figure this out with his help. Amen? Amen. One of the ways we do this in the church, I'm going to ask Josiah and him to come on down, is we do it around the table, the communion table, or the Lord's Supper. But the word communion, kononia, the fellowship of the believers, There's something about coming around the table with people who are like-minded, who are going the direction you're going, that is unique and special. I was listening to Francis Chan this week, and many of you are Francis Chan fans, or some of you have probably critiqued him too along the way. <laughs> but I was listening to him, he was talking about a pastor from India that he was with. And they were talking about how excited someone was getting for Francis to come speak at the place. And, and the Indian pastor said, it was just laughing. He goes, he goes, he said, you Americans. He said, you know what we get excited about in India in our church? It's when we do communion. And Francis says, you mean you don't need a Francis Chan to come? People to get excited? He said, No. People are so excited when it comes to the point of remembering and celebrating 
and knowing of what God has done, what he is doing and what he is going to do. There's something about that, that we come together. Yeah, we sing together, but there's something about a movement where we walk. I know we do it here that way. Not everybody has to do it that way. I'm not prescribing that, and that it's not a prescription of the way you're supposed to do it, but it is a way we do it. And just logistically, before I pray, we'll stand here in just a moment, and those who want to participate, and you're not required to participate, but if you want to participate the way we do it here at Renovation, one of the ways is to come down, just for logistically, come down this aisle, aisle here or this aisle here. If you're on this side, come down, take of the bread, dip it in the cup, in the juice, partake of it here. Or you can take it back to your seat, but you can take, partake of it at any point there. And, but if you are here today where physically you can't come down here or uh, you don't feel like doing that part of it, we do have uh, prepared packages that we can give to you so if you do if you've got if you would raise your hand if you can't physically come down for that and we'll make sure you have that we want everybody who wants to participate to be able to participate but jesus on the night he was betrayed he set the example for us from the cup and the bread set it for the disciples and just before we come i'm going to ask you just to take a moment while you're seated if you're a believer today, just to remember. Remember that moment you received Christ into your life. Remember those moments, game changer moments, where it was so clear of his presence. And even maybe remember those moments where you didn't feel him, but you trusted him. If you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, this is for you today too. The Word tells us if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, we shall be saved. And Lord, we just come to your day thanking you for the bread that represents your body. And thanking you today, Lord, for the blood that was shed for us. Lord, across this room, I pray that you would just help us all as we come forward now, those who will, of a time of community, the kononia, that deep inward fellowship amongst your people would be sins, Lord. Oh, we pray this in your precious name and thank you for this opportunity. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.